helping families be happy. Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now, I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Jed Doherty, who will be talking with us about his podcast and the importance of reading with your kids. So welcome, Jed. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, Well, I'm the host of the Reading With Your Kids podcast, and I'm really excited to be with you. I'm really excited that you're connected with my friends over at Familius. What a wonderful publishing house and what a great group of people. We've had so many of their authors on. Uh, We had uh, Christopher Robbins on, the uh, president and founder of Familius, and Kate Farrow, and and, uh, art directors. And it's just, I I love their mission of wanting to helping families be happy. And uh, I'm so happy that you're you're connected. I'm honored that I'm, I'm a guest in your show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. So, Jed, let me ask you a few questions about your podcast. Can you tell me how it came into being? Uh, Well, this particular podcast um, was a spur of the moment thing, which is going to sound weird because I actually had spent uh, many, many weeks. I had a a podcast called the um, We Choose Respect podcast that was talking to parents about raising their kids to be respectful and kind. I just at the last minute, I said, no, I'm going to do a podcast about reading with your kids. And so, and, and it, it literally went from there. I, I uh, found, a, found a domain name, uh, the reading with your, readingwithyourkids.com that was available. Uh, about a week later, we were, we were producing the Reading With Your Kids podcast. And I'm so happy because I, I really think that the time we spend reading with our kids whether we're talking about curled up on the couch with our four or five-year-olds or sitting in the van driving to soccer practice, talking about a book that we're co-reading with our teenagers, that time together is so incredibly valuable. There's so many benefits for the family, for the kids, for the parents that, that comes from that time that we spend reading with each other. So thank you for addressing that because on your podcast, your Reading With Your Kids podcast, you talk a lot about the many benefits kids and families experience when they read aloud together. On your own personal end, what benefit did reading aloud with your kids give you that might be really important to address? It was the foundation that our relationship was built on. Uh, both of my kids are adults right now. They're 23 and 26. We have a wonderful, far from perfect, but a wonderful relationship. We still talk about the TV shows and movies that we're watching together, the books that we're reading together. Um, that that foundation was built reading Dr. Seuss and reading Tommy DePaula and all that time that we started, you know, um, asking the kids questions you know, where's the, where's the bear on this page? And what do you think the bear is doing? And what did you think about what happened between these two characters? Those conversations that happened from the books that we were reading together, 
was the foundation that you know we've we we used to create this these wonderful relationships that we have and it sounds like those early stages of reading that you continued on in your relationship with your children built a timeless connection absolutely so if you could choose an author from any publisher to have on reading with your kids what author would that be and why it would be tommy de paula and one of the books that we absolutely adored, my kids and I, was uh, his book called A Clown of God or The Clown of God. Mm. And that was, I th it was really special to me uh, because at that time when we were reading it, when my kids were three and six years old, um, I was performing primarily as a clown who did magic. That's kind of evolved over the years and now I'm a magician who acts like a clown sometimes. But that, you know, that story was, was talking about this clown who went out and used his tr talents to serve God and people. And that's kind of how I saw myself. And, and that's how the kids saw me. And so it was, it was, it was really um, uh, kind of special. And I think it kind of helped them because, you know, their dad had this really weird job. He was a professional clown and he wore makeup and he came to their school every year and, and did a show and made everybody happy. But, you know, afterwards it's still, geez, that, that's kind of weird. Um, so I think it kind of helped, you know, kind of sort through and answer some of those questions and help them understand, you know, what I was doing. It sounds like that was a really nice medium for you to embrace and use as a tool in your trade. Now I have a question for you. You were a social worker before you were a magician and podcast expert. How did that come about? Um, well, the, the, the social worker thing came about because, I mean, that's probably the most normal thing that I did. <laughs> You know, I was in, in uh, high school. I attended a, a, a magnificent high school in Boston, Boston College High School. And it's a Jesuit high school where, you know, we, we become men for others. And I really embraced that and started volunteering in the Boston public school system in, in my high school career. And that continued. And so, you know, my focus was to, to help. And I got into the... Um, uh, juvenile justice system here in Massachusetts, working with kids in a number of different settings, detention centers, uh, doing some family therapy and counseling as the kids are re-socializing. But it's a, as, as you know, um, being a social worker, being a psychologist, being a psychiatrist, it's, it's tough. And, um, and after about 10 years, I couldn't do it anymore. And, and literally, I ended up going from social work to the stage uh, by accident. I didn't know where um, I was supposed to go on my life journey at that point. Uh, asked for some divine inspiration. I didn't, didn't hear back a message right away, but uh, when I got up and went to the uh, kitchen table, I opened up the newspaper and the first thing I was able to see and focus on in the newspaper was, was the fact that Ringling Brothers and Bonham and Bailey Circus was in town to have auditions for clowns. and. I kind of looked up to heaven and said, you're kidding me, right? But uh, I went on that audition and uh, it was just a life-changing experience. And uh, I kind of knew um, my path from that point on. 
I love that, how you transition from doing your work as a social worker in a clinical setting, right? In a formal mm -hmm. setting. And then you continue your work just a different venue, different way of being. So now you're a magician. Have you ever made a mistake doing a magic trick on stage? And if so, how did you deal with it? Uh, well, have I ever uh, done a show without making a mistake? <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, kids ask me that question a lot. Um, oftentimes I'm, I'm able to say, yeah, I made a couple today. When you're on stage, one of the first things you learn is you don't stop and you carry on. You just kind of keep going and you try to cover up as best you can. Occasionally you can't cover up. I had a, a neat experience. I was performing for a church group and they're having their picnic. So it was an outdoor performance. And in the middle of the performance, there was a deluge just from, went from a sunny day to a deluge in, in seconds. And there was one shelter uh, and, and the people helped me move all my stuff into the shelter. And, um, and, and they said, we'll, we'll carry on. You finished the show. And uh, I, had, I had started doing a card trick where I was going to have someone select a card and I was going to read their mind. And so I said, well, we'll carry on. I picked up the cards and they were soaking wet. And I tried to do the trick with the person and they picked the card and I said, you are holding and whatever card I said was the wrong card. And I didn't have any out, there was nowhere for me to go. And I just said, I, I failed, I made a mistake, <laughs> I'm wrong. And, and then I said, but that's okay because God loves me anyway. And for that audience, it was a perfect response. They just started cheering and singing hallelujah. And at that moment, there was a big thunderclap from above and uh, they took that as uh, approval heavenly approval so that <laughs> so beautiful thank you for sharing that and um kind of takes me into that space where we can all see that maybe in our own way that we can be magicians with we take that idea that we make mistakes in the process mm -hmm. and all we need to do is pick it up and carry it on and be the best human we can be in the moment so i guess we're all a little bit magicians like you maybe not very much but a little bit in that way well, I think any time, and I mean this sincerely, I think any time that we can connect with another human being in a caring and loving way, that's real magic. You know, the stuff that I do on stage, it's fun, and it, it can be entertaining, and it can teach a lesson. But one of the things I, I, I really try to stress to kids is, and I have a, a, a trick that I do on stage, and uh, it, it demonstrates that when we help somebody feel loved, we help them do magical things. And, and when people come together in love and kindness and understanding and acceptance, that's real magic. I could not agree more, Jed, that that is the beauty of love, that love, when we act from a place of love, which of course is what brings kindness and respect and all of that, that definitely that's the place where magic happens. That's where connection happens. That's where joy, you know, can mm -hmm. really be nurtured and loved. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you think that that magic is a teacher for families and children, other than the important pieces we've already talked about? Magic is, it's a wonderful vehicle because if it's done right, and by right I mean if it's 
if it's presented in a way to elevate people. One of the things I try to do in my show is I bring kids up on stage and let the magic happen in their hand or let them create the magic. And so uh, my, my daughter pointed this out to me when she was just 11 or 12 and she said, Poppy, you bring kids up on stage instead of saying, look at me, how cool I am. You bring kids up on stage and say, look at how cool and wonderful this kid is. And I, I think that that's something that magic can do. The best magic tricks are magic tricks that tell stories. And stories are the way that human beings have learned throughout the course of history. It's one of the reasons I, I think reading with our kids is so important. When you can tell a story through a magic trick and take an audience on a journey from one point to another and, and teach a lesson within that story, you know, that, that brings me great joy. And I think it's a great way to, to, to help um, spread messages and help educate families and kids. Thank you for sharing that. So now I want to ask you a little bit about you, a little bit more about what makes Jed tick. What is the messiest area in your life, Jed? Oh, that's easy. My studio. <laughs> here, here, here where I do my podcast, you know, I, I'm not the most organized person in the world, but it's something I aspire to. And if I do love to be 100, I may actually become organized. But in an effort to, to do that, I have papers and forms and, 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 and I have places to, to file them away and to keep them, but they never seem to make it into where they're supposed to go. So, yeah, my studio is the messiest part of my life right now. And it doesn't sound like it interferes with you at all. <laughs> now, what is your greatest life challenge? You, you know, um, the thing that um, I'm most, you know, that, that is most important to me is making making my wife happy um, and just building that relationship. That's something that, that's, that's most imp important to me and, and, and continuing to grow closer to my beautiful wife. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest challenge. And how long have you been married, Jed? Uh, it will be 30 years in August. So I really love for our listeners to be able to hear that because many people think that relationships should be easy or once they reach a certain point that they are easy. And so you're, I really love your frankness, your candor, that it, you're continuing to work to make your wife happy and to embrace and nourish that part of your life. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you what it's, you know, we are really happy. We really enjoy each other's company. And I think it's because we're both mindful of, of the fact that, you know, it, it's, um, it takes effort. It, it takes intention. And I love, again, that you say that because it is that conscious effort, that conscious intention of co-creating a beautiful relationship, whether it's with one's partner or with one's children, the mm -hmm. effort and the intention are everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So shifting gears, um, what specific daily practices contribute to your success? One of the things that's... that's really helpful and one of the things that I'm mindful of is is always trying to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I, I think it's always Im important for us not to sit still and be satisfied but always kind of push ourselves and, and to try to move forward, learn new things, take on new challenges. 
I am with you on that, Jed. It's the idea of how does a beautiful stone become polished, right? It's not because mm -hmm. it's sitting still. It's because it's, you know, constantly being polished, whether by water or other forces in nature. And I believe, I really connect with you on that. It's the same thing with us human beings, that we have to consciously, you know, evolve and polish the stone of who we are. So what is your greatest pride? Being a dad. Mm. Being a dad. My kids are amazing. They're amazing young people. Um, they're full of love. They're um, successful, but they're, but they're, but they're great people. And, um, you know, the time that, that, that I spent as a dad, you know, I, I miss that. <laughs> I, I miss sitting and reading with the kids and I miss having the kids here and taking them here and there and helping them. We still do a lot together and I still cherish, cherish my time as a, a dad to, to wonderful adults. But I think that that's, that's the thing that I'm, I'm most proud of. I'm also proud of the fact that my wife and I have been married for close to 30 years right now. Um, yeah, family. Family, beautiful. So I have another question for you because we are talking about family. What do you believe makes a happy family? What are the core pieces of that in your eyes? I think it starts with a choice. It starts with our, uh, with people choosing to love and choosing to love one another. And that mean, when we make that choice, we choose to love the whole person, mistakes, weaknesses. And I'll think it's important for parents to remember that they are their kids' first and most important teachers. That that raising our kids, teaching them values, teaching them the important, teaching them a love of reading. A lot of parents feel a need to, you know, their kids put them on a pedestal. You know, your kids look up to you and like, wow, you're the strongest person. I know you're the smartest person. I know you, you, you feed me, you give me everything. I need so much. And so you're up on that pedestal. And I think a great thing that you can do to build a family is be able to say, I don't know to be able to admit that you don't have all the answers, especially with little kids. Some parents think, oh my goodness, I have to stay on this pedestal. I have to be perfect. And that's a really hard place to stay. <laughs> Being perfect is impossible. And so the quicker we can let our kids know that we're not perfect and that we don't have all the answers, but we're willing to find the answers with them, the easier our lives will be. And actually the closer we'll get to our kids. I so agree with you. You're making me think of many years ago when I was teaching um, a class of gifted third and fourth graders, and I soon learned that 30 of them versus one of me, the very <laughs> best words that could ever come out of my mouth were, I don't know. Let's research it. And, you know, kids know when we're being honest. They know when we're mm -hmm. being authentic. And they haven't yet learned and been socialized to believe that there's a right and a wrong. And, and as far as when we come to the space of humbly saying, I don't know, they haven't been socialized generally to the point where they think that that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And I wish all of us could embrace that idea that not knowing, or as you so beautifully said about the magic trick, right? That saying, wait, I messed up here, that that's mm -hmm. okay. And owning mm -hmm. our mistakes and then picking up, learning the lesson and moving forward. That's what it's all about.
You know, I love Familius because Familius is all about families. And I think that the most important thing we can all understand is that we are all family. That we belong to this, this, this human family. And, and, and if we can start thinking like that and start choosing to see the humanity in others, to choose to love others, to celebrate our kinship with others, I, I think that's the most important thing uh, that, that we can do. And, you know, and, and that's kind of like a global thing. But, you know, in our homes, if we can choose to, to carve out time to spend with our kids, there's so much pressure on, on, on parents, on caregivers and grandparents. I, I need to work myself to the bone. I, I need to be out and work 60, 70 hours a week so, so that I have that nest egg. That's not nearly as important as the 15, 20, 30 minutes a day that we absolutely spend with, with our kids. Absolutely. I thank you so much for being with us today, Jed. It has been a true pleasure and a true delight. Where can our guests find you? Uh, they can go to my website. It is readingwithyourkids.com. That can, there, there's information there about the podcast. There's information there about our live events, about my um, educational magic shows. Uh, you can also visit my other website, which is jedly.com, J-E-D-L-I-E.com. And the podcast is available on uh, the iHeartRadio app, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. Again, it's been a pleasure and a joy to speak with you. Thank you for offering so many incredible insights. And so, listeners, as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. Would be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, would be honored if you'd choose a book from Familius Publishing. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. And I thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine as only you can do. We talk together, learn together, play, work, eat together. We laugh together.